Welcome to The Radical Therapist. This is your host, Chris Hoff. We are now at episode number 122. And today, in my year-end episode, my last podcast of 2023, I thought I would just share with you, kind of briefly, it's going to be a shorter version today, uh, my favorite therapy book of the year. So, uh, I did a podcast a couple back, I think episode 119 with Alan Holmgren, and in the conversation I mentioned that um, my favorite therapy book is not really a therapy book, it's actually a book about design, and the title is Designs for the Pluralverse, Radical Interdependence, Autonomy, and the Making of Worlds, and um, so some of you asked, after I mentioned that, some of you have asked me about that, so I thought it'd be a good idea to kind of maybe share this book and why I found this book to be my favorite therapy book of 2023. And um, I was introduced to this book by my friend and editing partner on the Encyclopedia of Radical Helping that's going to come out next year, Aaron Siegel of Thick Press. Uh, she had somehow mentioned this book, so I ended up picking it up and reading it, and I just really loved it. Although it's a book about design, it's really, I mean, if you just kind of change design design to therapy, I mean, it really fits, I think, um, about a lot of things that I've been thinking about lately, especially about, how you know, world-making, how to, how to work with the future in therapy. There's a, I did a presentation for Taos last year on um, futuring the present, some of the some emerging ideas I have about working with the future with folks in therapy, you know, that um, inspired by Michael White's uh, writing about, um, you know, when people are entering into some form of liminal space, um, we should be helpful by give, kind of giving them some predictions of experiences they might encounter in these efforts to move through liminal space and and so that's got and i th think that's true in the work uh, that i do um as a therapist uh, a lot of it is i think uh navigating uh, liminal space either imposed or you know voluntarily entered into so anyway so i've become become very interested about um how to do that and and it's led me to looking at some like ideas around design or future scenarios, which I will probably talk about in a little bit, but uh, but why this book? Um, well, first, I don't know, let's start with maybe um, some of the, um, well, he goes on, I'm going to just kind of go into the introduction a little bit and maybe point out some th stuff throughout the book that I found interesting, although there's a ton, so I'm not going to, I'm going to sell it short, but... Uh, but maybe it'll inspire you to pick it up. But anyway, so um, the author, Arturo Escobar, makes uh, the, the, takes the position that the global boom of design with postmodernism and global, globalization has certainly had its ups and downs and its high and low moments. And, you know, it goes on to kind of look at some realizations that we're confronting now. And this is the same, with, I would say, with therapy and and he argues that the first is the ubiqu ubiquity, I have a hard time with that word, the ubiquity of design, meaning that design um, is literally everywhere from the largest structuralist to the humblest as aspects of everyday life. Modern lives are thoroughly designed lives. Uh, so that's the, kind of his first argument. You could say the same thing about therapy, right? And then the second is social context is important for a successful design well beyond products, uh, functional or commercial applications, or for f uh, effective services. So 
I think you can see that, you know, that there's a lot of affinity to that, that our con context is absolutely important for successful therapy. And third, ecologically oriented fields in particular have realized design's vital role in creating a more livable, livable world. So it's about coming up with types of design that make a difference. And that's the same with therapy. How are we, what are we, are we coming up with uh, therapy that is actually making a difference? And then his fourth um, position is, um, and that probably signals, he says it signals perhaps the most radical change is that we need to take seriously the notion that everybody designs, leading to a whole range of proposals of ethnographic, participatory, and collaborative design, and, inde and indeed rethinking of the entire concept of design. That's right. And then just change that to therapy, that every, you know, everybody designs, and everybody does design. I think we all design our lives, and, or try to design our lives in ways that we want to, and and, um, and, you know, so there's a call for, you know, some different ways of helping people design their lives, more ethnographic, participatory, or collaborative ways of doing that. So, um, and he goes on to say that, and I think this is important, is that we design our world and our world designs us back. And this is why I've become interested in this idea of how we work with the future um, influences our our present experience, our present uh, identity, our present uh, ideas of what might be possible, all that kind of stuff. In short, he says, design designs. And I think that's uh, very interesting and very applicable. So uh, let's go on a bit. Oh, and another piece that I really appreciated about this book, and, you know, again, thinking about how we work with the future with folks is the idea of defuturing and the idea of using scenarios and and Escobar talks about this and the idea of what he calls social dreaming. So um, let's see, what do I want to talk about? I, you know, so when this book introduced me to the work of Tony Fry and this idea of defuturing and the concept of defuturing. Um, it argues that the dominant mode of design throughout the modern area has been contributing to a process of defuturing, essentially designing out the future potentialities of life on Earth, and apply that to therapy. Right? Is, is the therapy? You know, is our constant medical model, diagnosis world, all that kind of stuff? Is it designing out future potentials of life? And um, and so I really got interested in this. I idea of defuturing and what defutures our life. So um, something to think about, the defuturing uh, effects that happen and how that, um, how Escobar says, you know, does it, how does it, uh, how do we recover our future imagining capacity, he says. And he goes on to talk about, you know, speculative design and design speculations and and the idea of using what-if scenarios or um, kind of fueling some sort of social dreaming that happens. Um, what do I want to say about that? Uh, okay, so and then he, um, so there's uh, he talks about this. Is, I think is important because I'm going to talk a little bit more about this. I'm going to probably do a predictions video, and I think it's important we talk about this, but. This idea that there's two opposing design fictions as heuristic. And at one end, we find the matristic, convivial, futuring, and broadly speaking, relational visions that highlight 
the recreation of worlds based on the horizontal relation re relation with all forms of life, respecting the human embeddedness in the natural world. And at the other end of the spectrum, there lies the dream held by the flashy techno fathers of the moment of a post-human world wholly created by man. This is the world, for instance, of synthetic biology with its gene-centric view of life, the booming techno-alchemies of genetic enhancement and the prolong prolongation of life of robotics, cyborgian fantasy, space travel, nanotechnology, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, and I think, uh, I just think that's an interesting, I think uh, I'm going to probably do a, uh, predictions video. I haven't done one for a couple of years, but one of the things I'm going to maybe, and this might be a controversial opinion, but one of the things I'm going to maybe predict out there is the um, this idea, how, how as therapists are we working? I know there's a lot of talk about the influence of capitalism, but there's some folks um, that are making an argument that maybe capitalism, late stage capitalism actually dying and that we're moving towards a new feudalism of uh, technology platforms and um, this kind of separation again of those of us that are working the land of the technology platforms and, and those that own them, kind of a new feudalism that's happening. And I'll maybe go into that in more detail, but I uh, found that kind of piece interesting. What else did I find interesting? Um, uh, he talks about, I did an ontological video on, on the YouTube channel, and that's, you know, he inspired me to kind of talk about um, th this idea of political ontology and the ontological approach to therapy um, and, uh, and some of those ideas around that. Uh, what else do I want to say? Um, I also got introduced through this book to Futuring and what is called U-Theory, Otto Scharmer's work on Theory U and Presencing, um, which I think is really, really helpful. Um, Scharmer suggests that addressing societal challenges requires a deep form of learning and transformation, which he refers to as Presencing. This involves into tapping into emerging future possibilities being open to the not yet known and allowing new, more sustainable realities to come forth. The U process highlights the need to let go of old paradigms and let come the emergent futures. And this light futuring is not just about forecasting or predicting based on current knowledge, but rather being open to and co-creating with possibilities for the future. So uh, something else I found really, really interesting um, and you know, I think I'm going to close this thing with a quote that uh, Escobar uh, references with Gloria Anzaldúa, and that is this quote, living in the Pantala, the overlapping space between different perceptions and belief systems, or living between worlds, this condition renders conventional categories of identity obsolete, calling for new paradigms and narratives that enable creative engagement with each other and the earth. And he goes on to say, for Anzaldúa, being in the Pantalara means inhabiting a zone of possibility, not a cause for fear or closing borders. It's an occasion for imagining and creating a new tribalism, one that avoids the old story or either assimilation or separation. She calls on us to move from the milita milita militarized zone of divisions 
to a round table that always acknowledges the kinship among all things and people. When you relate to others, not as parts, problems, or useful commodities, but from a connectionist view, compassion triggers transformation. Herein lies an ethical principle for relational recommunalization. And that's something I really want to hold on to. We're in this kind of interesting time right now where there's a lot of call on people to take positions in different ways, and um, and that's all good and fine. But I, the hard thing to do is what Anzal do is uh, proposing to us, and that is to not close the borders or not have fear run the show and um, and to kind of stay in this kind of in-between place uh, of creative engagement with each other and the earth and um, and, you know, and abandoning these uh, conventional categories of, uh, of identity. So that's just one of the many things I found really, really fascinating with this book. Um, and yeah, and I can so much, I, everything's like <laughs> underlined in it. So there's only so much I can do, but anyway, so I wanted to share that. I found this book very, very helpful for those of you that uh, might be working with folks or are interested, you know, that, that are experiencing defuturing, like a loss of future perspective or a stagnation or narratives of futility. Um, you know, we run into that a lot in the work that we do. And if you're interested in, like, you know, the exploration of possibilities and some kind of ways of going forward in, you know, kind of um, examining the future and, and kind of playing with scenarios, what's going on out there. I think you'll find this book really, really helpful. So that's it. Uh, I read some other good books too, but I'm just going to stop with that one. Um, I hope you found that helpful. Hope it let you into some of my thinking, what I'm thinking about these days. Next year, I hope to maybe put something together, write, written about some of this work, work, working with future scenarios or helping folks have predictions of some experiences that they might have as they enter into liminal space or trying to move through liminal space. And, uh, and I hope to do that next year. So anyway, uh, here we are at the end of the year. Thank you, everybody, for uh, listening to the podcast, for supporting um, the work that I'm doing, and I hope you find it helpful. Uh, I will be back early next year with uh, another mentor of mine, Carmen Knudsen-Martin, and we're going to be talking about her social emotional relational therapy cert i think i think i'm getting that right she's been uh, a mentor of mine um uh from the early days and you know uh, really influential in how i look at uh, power and gender and power uh, operations and that kind of thing and so um very very influential and i'm gonna i'm excited to have her on the podcast so that'll be early january so i'll be back with the podcast pretty quickly um, as always, you know, you can follow us on uh, Instagram. There's a Facebook page. You can email me at theradicaltherapist@gmail.com, And uh, let me know what's going on with you. So anyway, that's it. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. And I, I appreciate your continued support into 2024. So peace.